0: All right. It is great to see all of you. And while you're clapping, hey, could you do me a favor and welcome those that are watching us right now live online and join them into our experience. We're so honored that... You are a part of what God's doing here. And uh, we have been experiencing a a tremendous month uh, for the month of February. And we began, uh, really, this month of February on the subject of relationships. We kicked it off with an awesome uh, marriage conference and special guests. And we've been building on that theme. And today is the conclusion... Of our series called Marriage Makeover. So before I dive into today's message, I just want to underscore a few moments uh, with something that you heard a few moments ago, and that is our Dream Team Party. I can't wait! This is going to be happening at the end of next month. So all of our Dream Teamers, those that serve what we consider to be those that are in the trenches, those that are in the game, that are doing so much to make an incredible difference, we want to celebrate you. We want to hang out and have fun. So we're going to be doing that together. And so get your get your '60s gear out. All right, get the get the get those flare-legged jeans, you know what I'm saying, you know, bring, bring, the, bring the psychedelic colors back, so we're going to have a great time as we celebrate with one another. So anyway, it is so great to see all of you. And I just want to begin by asking you a question. How many of you have ever gone through the process of building a house before? Let me see your hands. You've ever gone through the house house building process? Few of you. Uh, Michelle and I have gone through it three times. We actually uh, built two homes in in Texas, and we built one here. And um, I've heard couples say that if your marriage can survive building a house it can survive anything and what's interesting is that there's so many decisions along the way that can create major stress points and cause conflict and you know they often say it's going to take longer than what they tell you it's going to cost you more than what they even tell you but it's a process and when you think about the process, it can be a good thing, it can be a bad thing. Well, for Michelle and I, it was actually a good thing. We always enjoyed the process. We enjoyed being able to kind of put our touch, you know, as far as style and colors and, and you know, just different things that, that kind of made it unique or personal to us. Uh, we learned a very, very important lesson that I want to pass on to all of you. And that is how to choose Paint. Um, when Michelle and I, we were young rookies, didn't have a clue, and uh, so we went into this design center that had all of the different colors, you know, paint selections, you know, the, you know, the things that you get to choose, kind of pick and choose in terms of the decor. Well, when it came to the paint, they told us that they had all these different paint swatches for us to, to choose a paint color with. And so you're kind of basing an entire color of a house on something about that big and so you're looking through the paint swatches and back then i'm talking about back then back in the day in the 90s okay um we we, we went to this design center and the real popular color was a peachy pink yes i said that peachy pink was a very popular color and my uh, my sister-in-law, who happens to be an interior designer, she kind of chimed in, gave us her recommendation on this peachy pink color. And uh, she actually had it in our, her house, and so we had an opportunity to kind of see it. But we went with this this color off this paint swatch. And, uh, and so I'll never forget, we got a phone call the day that the painters were supposed to arrive and start painting. And it was from our superintendent, and he called, and he said, Mr. Gage, he said, is there any chance that you could swing by the house. I said, uh, sure. I said, everything okay? He said, well, he said, our painters are here, and they're about halfway finished. I said, oh, well, awesome. He said, well, I hope it's awesome. He said, I just want you to come see it. I asked them to stop until you got here. I'm thinking, was well, everything okay? He said, uh, Mr. Gage, I, just, I think it's best if you could come and personally just see for yourself to make sure that you like everything. I said, well, what's going on? I said, just tell me. Do I need to physically go over there? He said, Mr. Gage, he said, let me just tell you, just to put it bluntly, he said, you got a pink house. <laughs> I said, what? No way. So I stopped at what I was doing. I drove over to the house, and sure enough, we had this large window in the front. It was a two-story, a large window, and as soon as I pulled up in front of the house, it was like the Shekinah glory just kind of beaming through the house with this, I mean this like pink, I'm talking about like pink screaming through the window. And I'm thinking to myself, oh my goodness, I walk in and I'm thinking, what in the world? I got a pink house. He goes, oh, you had not seen anything yet. He said, you, have you, you need to go upstairs. Well, upstairs in our master bedroom, we had picked, it was supposed to be like this, like kind of like a, like a soft maroon color. But I'm telling you, it was the exact same color as (laughs) Pepto-Bismol. So we have a pink house and a Pepto-Bismol colored master bedroom. And I'm thinking to myself, this is not going to work. I'm a guy, I can't live in this pink Pepto-Bismol house, no way. So I call my sister-in-law. She comes over and she says, oh, this is perfect. I said, what are you smoking? This is crazy. We can't do this. She said, no, 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 no. She said, look, it will, you won't even notice it when you put the carpet in and the furniture in. I said, we won't notice it. I said, we're glowing down the street. <laughs> Long story short, she was right. Once the carpet got in, the window treatments got in, the furniture got in, things began to settle down a little bit. But I got to be honest with you. We learned a valuable lesson on that day. And that is, when you make decisions and you move forward with those decisions, sometimes what you, decide upon, what you decide upon may not always end up like you thought it would. And I think that's true even in the context of a marriage relationship, or just in a relationship in general. You know, on the front end of the relationship, especially maybe in the courting stage when you're dating someone, or maybe in the honeymoon phase, listen, nobody can do any wrong, right? We're all perfect. I mean, she's wonderful. He's wonderful. She's great. He's great. He's hot. She's, she's hot. You know what I'm saying? So here's the deal. We, we, we see this image with, oh, they're perfect. We're, we're going to live happily ever after until reality hits. And then you realize, whoa, 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 whoa. He's not so hot anymore. He's not so perfect anymore. She's not so wonderful anymore. And so things are exposed. And things suddenly begin to, we begin to realize when things start to go wrong that, you know, hey, he or she is not what I thought they were. And I think sometimes what happens in a marriage relationship, again, the unexpected differences, those unfulfilled expectations or the unmet needs or maybe even the unforgiven mistakes begin to manifest themselves and kind of erode, if you will, the foundation of our homes, specifically our marriages. And so that's the reason why it's so important that we start with a strong, healthy foundation that can resist the storms of life. And that's why I love the scripture in Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 through 27. It goes like this. Jesus said in Matthew 5, 6, and 7 through the Sermon on the Mount, there are all kinds of values and life principles. And listen, there are even things that sometimes the culture says, hey, we are to embrace. But, but, but Jesus was, was co- going counter-cultural with so many things that the religious law even was stating, counter with with the culture of beliefs. And he set the record straight, and he summarized everything he said with these words. He said, therefore... Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built his house on, say it out loud, the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, and winds blew and beat against the house, and it did not fall because it had its what, say it out loud, foundation on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand the rain came down and the streams rose and the wind's blew and beat upon that house and it fell with a what a great crash unfortunately too many marriages are falling with a great crash and that's the reason why we began last week with the importance of building a strong healthy foundation and we Exposed last week, the number one thing that a marriage needs in order to have a strong foundation, apart from a relationship with Christ, apart from building that foundation and building that marriage upon the solid rock of Christ and making the Word of God that foundation. But the number one thing on emotional level that we all need in a marriage relationship to provide a sense of stability and security, a strong foundation, is emotional security. And we talked about the importance of emotional security being supported by three pillars. One being the right beliefs. And we exposed last week that if we have the wrong beliefs, the wrong belief says he or she is supposed to make me happy. My happiness is, is based on the condition that he or she lives up to their end of the deal. And so if they don't live up to their end of the deal, if, those are, if, if, if all of a sudden we, we have issues because there are unfulfilled expectations or, or maybe there, there's unexpected differences or there's some unmet needs, all of a sudden now, if my happiness is dependent upon somebody else to make me happy, then I'm going to be unhappy. Those are wrong beliefs. No one person can make us happy. No one person can provide all of the security and stability for us. Only God can do those things. Only God can meet certain needs and only he can meet. So our dependency should be on Him. Listen, our joy is made complete in Christ. So we got to have the right beliefs, but we also got to have a life of honor. We talked about the second pillar of honor. So important that we honor God with our lives. We honor God in our marriage. We honor God in how we treat one another. But we also talked the importance about talked talked about the importance of commitment. And commitment is truly that. It's a commitment. It's not based on condition and No, It is a commitment. It's a covenant until death do us part. So that's the foundation. And so when you have the right beliefs and you have the honor and the commitment that are supporting, if you will, that foundation, what does it do? It creates a sense of emotional security. In other words, your relationship feels safe. Because it's built on that emotional security, the right foundation. Well, today, part two, part three, what I want to do is I want to build on that foundation with the support system. It's the it's the beams. It's, the, it's basically the two-by-fours that support the walls and support everything that not only rests on the foundation, but even the roof that we're going to talk about as well. And so with that in mind, I think it's important for us to realize, the Bible says, unless the Lord builds the house, the worker's labor is what? It's in vain. And so we got to allow God to build the house in our lives and in our marriages. I love what Zig Ziglar once said. He said, Money can buy a bed, but it can't buy a good night's sleep. Money can buy a house, but it can't build a home. That's our responsibility. And so with that in mind, let me share with you five important things. These are the, the, this is the frame, if you will. This is the structure that supports everything. And the first is this. It's what I call the A of attention. It's attention. You know how you spell, you know how you spell love? Spell it for me. T-I-M-E. That's how you spell love. It's, it's, it's given the time and the attention. It's entering into one another's world when it comes to our relationship. You know, we live in this culture today where we are so busy. I was talking to some of the young couples that Michelle and I are in a life group with, and these are young marrieds without kids. Some of them are literally uh, just still, still in their honeymoon phase. You know, they, they just recently got married. Some have only been married a, a few years, and so here they are, these young couples without, uh, without kids. And so the other night as we were talking, um, I just went around the circle. I said, tell me, what, what, are, what are one of the biggest challenges that you're facing right now in your marriage? And almost all of them were basically admitting the fact that they, they were really struggling with just having time with one another. Because both are working and putting in long hours with their careers and their job and all the responsibilities that they have. And so they were just having a hard time really just finding time to be together. And I'm looking at them listening, I'm thinking, Y'all don't even have kids yet. <laughs> Wait till you throw some kids into the picture. And so it's that reality, even with these young couples, that you know what? It's hard. We're so busy. But what's sad and unfortunate is that some of us, because we're so busy, and when we get home by the end of the day, if we have any energy left, you know, what do we do? We want to just sit down, we want to chill. But what do we typically do? Rather than entering into one another's world, we whip out our cell phone, and we're comparing, looking at Instagram and checking out Facebook at what everybody else is doing and where everybody else is going, and we're thinking, wow, must be nice to go on that cruise. And so what happens is, is that, once again, we're diverting our time and attention away from the people who matter most. So what we got to do is we've got to turn off the cell phone, turn off the TV, or, or just spend some time engaging with one another. You know, it's been said that idle time is the devil's time. And it all depends on how we use that idle, idle time. It can turn into the devil's time if we're scrolling through Instagram and we're competing and we're comparing with everybody else. But at the same time, that idle time can also be productive time if we're engaging and entering into one another's world. I heard someone would say the word busy stands for being under Satan's yoke. And one of the most important things that we can do is, is ask God to help us break the yoke of busyness that's robbing us from the most important people in our lives, especially our spouse. And so what I would encourage every couple to do in this place, number one, is to make sure that you carve out time to go out on a date. You say, a date? What is that? I haven't been on one of those in a long time. Date your mate. You've got to make it a priority. You say, well, we can't afford to date. It costs too much money to get a babysitter. You can't afford not to date. Let me tell you something. A babysitter is cheaper than a divorce attorney any day. You've got to make it a priority. And let me just tell you, I've got three grown kids. They're going to survive with a babysitter without you for two or three hours. Trust me, they're going to make it. So what happens a lot of times is that young couples or young families, husbands and wives with small children, as soon as kids get into the picture, you know what happens? It goes from me to us to them. And what happens is that Christ, who used to be the center of the home, has been now replaced with the child. Because now it's a kid-centric house. You say, what do you mean? Everything revolves around the child. We do what they want to do. We go where they want to go. We eat what they want to eat. We basically just do whatever they tell us to do. So it's a kid-centric home. All the focus revolves around the child. That is not Biblical. Christ is the head of the house. Christ is the center of the home. Everything should revolve around Christ in the the relationship. It is Christ, it is the husband and wife, and it is the kids third. And so often in today's generation, the kids are at the top. They're the CEO calling the shots, and everybody revolves around them. So we've got to get our priorities in alignment when it comes to making sure that we make the most important relationship our highest and greatest priority. And that simply comes with giving one another time. The Bible says it this way in Philippians 2, 4, don't look, don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Number two, not only do we need to give proper attention, but we need to give affirmation. It's another support beam in the relationship—it's giving affirmation. First Thessalonians five verse eleven says it this way: Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. I mentioned last week that our tongues hold the power of life and death, and we need to speak life into each other. Speak life over one another. You know, we all need affirmation. I would be safe to say that every one of us, every one of us needs somebody to believe in us. We need somebody to affirm us, someone to appreciate us, someone to admire us. I mean that's why we're attracted to someone in the first place. The moment somebody begins to do those things toward us, we are instantly drawn to them. Why? Because it's a need that we have. Some of you today after this message, you might be able to, you know, Compliment me and say, hey, Pastor Rodney, that's that the greatest message ever heard. Unbelievable. And I would appreciate that. Give you a thumbs up. High five it. But if Michelle tells me later today, hey, you knocked it out of the park. You did a great job today. That was an awesome message. I mean, you nailed it. She sent me a text. Guess what? You know what? That speaks volumes to me. You know why? Because her opinion, to be honest with you, matters more than yours. (laughs) Because I value her opinion over anybody else's. And so we've got to make sure that, listen, we are speaking words of affirmation to the people who need it the most, specifically our husband and our wives. We need to hear that from our spouses. Number three is affection. And this is interesting. Studies show that 84, percent of a woman's touch needs are non-sexual. UCLA did a study years ago and they said that a woman needs an average of eight to ten meaningful touches a day from a significant person in their life to feel loved, secure, and to maintain emotional and physical health. Eight to ten meaningful touches a day. Now, some of us guys, the way we're wired, we're thinking, okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, done. <laughs> Met all of her needs for the day. Her, her cup runneth over. But that is not the way it works. I love the story about the guy who, uh, he and his wife, they've been married for years and just things kind of hit the fan. And so. They finally broke down, went to the marriage counselor, and um, as soon as they sat down with with this counselor, this therapist, I mean, the wife, she just went off. I mean, she just started selling her husband down the river, I mean, exposing him for all the things that he could have been doing, should have been doing, all things he was guilty of, all of his weak spots and blind spots, I mean, she was just letting it rip, and after about 10 minutes of her just going off on this guy, the, the counselor finally stood up, walked across to the other side of the, the desk where she was seated. seated and he said, man, would you please stand up? And as soon as she stood up, he embraced her. And I'm telling you, he laid on her, I mean, a, I'm, I'm talking about a passionate, juicy kiss for what seemed like eternity with the husband sitting over here with his eyebrow kind of like perking up. And he's thinking, what in the world is this guy doing? And after the therapist gives this long, passionate kiss to this man's wife, He looked over to the husband. He said, sir, he said, your wife needs this kind of treatment at least three times a week. The man said, well, I can drop her off on Mondays and Wednesdays, but I go fishing on Fridays. (laughs) So, we got to make sure that we are expressing the type of affection one another truly needs. In fact, I'm going to ask all, listen... I'm gonna ask all the husbands and wives to stand to your feet real quick. All the husbands and wives, quickly stand to your feet. Come on, we gotta we gotta keep this train moving. Husbands and wives, stand to your feet. All the married husbands and wives, married couples, stand to your feet. All right, now y'all face one another. Face one another. Come on, come on. All right. You got you got you got two seconds to kiss. All right, y'all kiss one another. Come on, come on. All right, that's enough. Y'all sit down, y'all sit down, y'all sit down. That's another reason why kids need to go to life kids, not in big church, okay? All the parents putting the hands over the kids. They should be life kids. Why don't we have life kids? So, that's right. That's one right there. So, you got, you got seven more to go, at least seven more to go today. So, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 25 says this, Husbands go all out. Men, we're to be, we're to be the initiators. So what that verse is telling us in Ephesians. We are to be the initiator. We are the cultivators of the soil. That's what the farmers did. They worked. They cultivated. They toiled. They prepared. They groomed, if you will, the the soil so it was fertile. It was healthy when they sowed seeds into. That's what we've got to do in our marriages. Husbands, go all out in your love for your wives exactly as Christ did for the church. A love marked by giving, not getting. Number four, the fourth important beam. So you have, you have the importance of attention and affirmation and affection, but then there's a fourth one. It's an adventure. I think it's so important that couples keep fun in the marriage. I love what the scripture says in Ecclesiastes 9, verse 9, enjoy life with your wife whom you love. A mentor of mine, who's uh, now with the lord many many years ago michelle and i first got married we used to get some mentoring by this couple and um they always used to tell michelle and i they said hey keep the honey in the honeymoon and what they used to mean by that is that hey you gotta you gotta you gotta keep fun in your marriage and it's so important once again because when we're busy the enemy's come to steal kill and destroy the enemy wants to rob us hey It's the the being under Satan's yoke that we're still under when we, we allow the busyness of life to get us distracted and preoccupied to the point to where we're no longer just enjoying life with each other. When's the last time you just did something just for the sake of doing it where it wasn't planned? Just be spontaneous. Do some things that allows you just to bring the fun back in your marriage. The problem is, is that so often what happens is our mindset, our attitude is, is that well, we can't do that until we get our work done, or we can't do that until we get some vacation time. We can't do that, so we're convincing ourselves once again that we don't have time for the most important people in our lives. Build that into your relationship. Keep the adventure alive in your home. And number five, this is so important. So you have. Some two by fours being erected you have you have basically some some walls beginning to to take shape, you have some structure going on, the support system of the house that's resting on this firm foundation of emotion, emo, emotional security that's, that's stabilized with the right beliefs and the honor and the commitment. And so now you got some, so you got some attention going on. You've got some affirmation going on. Listen, now you have the affection going on. Now you have the other beam of, of the adventure going on. And then there's an important piece to it all, and it's alignment, It's alignment. In other words, we have to be working together, be unified in the marriage in order for the marriage to work. I love what the scripture says in Amos chapter 3, verse 3. Can two people walk together without agreeing on the direction? Of course not. There's got to be a spirit of unity, agreement. In other words, we understand that you know, Christ is the center of our lives. He's the center of our marriage. We're basing our foundation on the unchanging truth of God's word. And so when we work together and we're unified in that, it's amazing suddenly what begins to happen. But you can't do it until you come together as one. Leave, cleave. You're, the two are becoming one flesh. Therefore, we have to be one mind, one person, one, one purpose, unified together, in agreement with where God is leading us, which is His good and pleasing and perfect will. If you don't have that, you're working against one another. Years ago, Michelle and I, uh, we took some of our family. We were here visiting up to Wakiva Springs, and uh, we rented some some canoes, and after we got our canoes, we got our life jackets on, and got our paddles, we got in the canoes, and and uh, man, there was probably about, I don't know, five or six canoes that were all together, and man, they all took off. Michelle and I were in the same canoe, and uh, she was in the front, I was in the back. Where everybody basically just bolted. They took off, you know, they were going down the river, and we're still at the dock. And the reason why we're at the dock is because we can't get going, we can't get forward, progress we can't get forward motion going and so she and I were kind of bickering back and forth because we were barking orders to one another but the problem was is that we kept we kept paddling on the same side so therefore we just kept going in circles and it got to be so frustrating because we were basically working against one another instead of working with one another and then finally we were able to kind of get in sync where she was paddling on this side and i was paddling on that side and then we finally got moving in the right direction started moving in a in a in a way that allowed us to have forward progress and started generating some momentum to where we could finally catch up with the other people And that's the unfortunate tragedy among many couples is that they're not on the same page. They're they're working against one another rather than working with one another because they are not in proper alignment. Which leads me to the last thing that I want to tell you about that's so vitally important. Because you have a foundation that's built on what? Emotional security. It's a safe place, knowing that we can be free to be ourselves without being condemned, ridiculed, criticized, belittled. There's a high level of trust. Why? Because of the emotional security that we have. It's built on right beliefs. It's built on honor. It's built on commitments. And because of that, we have the support beams. We have the, we have the structure of our relationship. It's the things that we're building into. It's the framework of what? Of attention and, and affirmation. And, and it's the, it's the affection. And it's, the, it's the adventure. And it's the alignment that are all taking shape that's under what? The roof. What does the roof do? It's like what Matthew chapter 7 says when Jesus said, and when the rains came and the winds blew and beat upon the house, it did not fall. Why? Because its foundation was built on what? On the rock. Christ is at the head. Christ is at the center. A husband and a wife, too, are becoming one flesh. And because of that, they're in alignment with Christ. They're in alignment with one another. They're not working against. They're working together. Therefore, when the stress of life comes, when the challenges of life comes, when the hardships and the setbacks and all the unexpected things that that will happen, it's not a matter of if. It's simply a matter of when those challenges come. The house, if it's built on the right foundation... If the right framework is being put in place on a consistent basis, listen, that simply means that we are protected. Why? Because we are under the covering, we are under the umbrella of the protection and the provision from God. As I stated, unless the Lord builds the house, hey, it's workers' labor in vain. So we got to let God build our marriage, we got to let God build our home, we got to let God build our relationship. Because unless He builds the house, we are subject to a great crash. And my prayer for every couple, for every single that's here today, if you're thinking about maybe your future, maybe you're single again, you can't change what you did as it relates to the past. But you can change what you currently do when it comes to the changes that maybe we need to make, what we need to do to prepare for that next step, that next season in our lives, for a relationship. In other words, we need to get ourselves healthy so that we can have a healthy marriage relationship. For those of you that are married Maybe the challenge for you today is to go back and do what Jesus told the church at Ephesus to do. He complimented them of all these great things they were doing. But he said, I got one problem. You don't love me like you used to. You know what he did? He told these people. He said, look. He said, you need to remember. You need to remember the way you used to be. And then he said, you need to repent. Look how far you've fallen. Look how, as a couple, look how far you've drifted. Maybe you're not where you could be, not where you should be. So he said, hey, you need to remember where you used to be and you need to repent. And then he said, you need to repeat. In other words, you need to go back and do the things that you used to do. So men, what we used to do to attract her, what we used to do is what we need to do today. And so every marriage can stand a makeover. We all do. And everybody in this room, I believe, can be a beautiful walking testimony of the faithfulness of God. When we allow him to build our lives, to build our marriages, to build our homes. And we build our relationship on the right foundation. Which is the unchanging Truth of Almighty God. Amen. Let's bow our heads together in prayer. As we bow our heads and our hearts in prayer for just a moment. You know, there may be some of you here today who are maybe at a place in your marriage relationship where you need God to step in. You need God to intervene Maybe what really struck struck a chord with you is maybe just the busyness that's caused you to drift or even disconnect and disengage. Maybe you're there, but you're not all there, kind of coexisting. Maybe for some of you, it's the alignment issue. You're kind of working against one another instead of working with one another. Maybe there's some things today you just need to talk through, work through, pray through. The Bible says in James that if we confess our sins to one another and pray for one another, we can be healed. Maybe that's what you need to allow God to do is just to heal some some wounds, some hurts, some things that the enemy's been using to, to create a wedge between you and someone that you greatly love. Some of you here today, maybe what's missing in your life is a foundation, and that foundation needs to be built on a relationship with God through his son, Jesus Christ. Maybe you've tried a lot of things, but maybe you've come up short and you still feel like, you know what, there's something missing in my life. Or that missing link in that spiritual chain is a relationship with Christ. And today, right where you are, you can pray this prayer can invite Jesus to be your Lord and Savior you can say something like this just say dear God I confess to you that I'm a sinner I turn from my sin Jesus I believe that you died on a cross and you rose again and today by faith I invite you into my life to forgive me and to save me thank you Jesus for saving my soul today if you prayed that prayer would you let me know but just simply holding up your hand high toward heaven today. As their heads are bowed and eyes are closed. Just saying, yes, count me in. I prayed that prayer and I ashamed to admit it. That's awesome. Anybody else? Just say, please pray for me today. Anybody else? It's wonderful. Thank you. Father, we thank you for these that lifted their hands. and God, I ask that today as, as we just think about where we are, where we could be, where we should be in our spiritual relationship with you in our spiritual relationship with our spouse, and even in the emotional and the relational side of our marriages. God, I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you'd bring healing and restoration. God, that all things would be new once again. God, that you, Father, would do a fresh work and a deep work in the heart and in the life and in the home of every person represented this place. God, we thank you for all that you've done and all that you're gonna to continue to do. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray, amen, amen. Come on, let's give God all the praise that he deserves in this place, amen. <clears throat> Let me just say that if you prayed that prayer and you just invited Christ into your life and you raised your hand acknowledging that you did so, would you do me a favor and take out the white communication card that's inside your worship guide? Uh, that you were introduced to earlier make sure you've completed that but make sure also on the back side where it says i made a spiritual decision today if you prayed that prayer put a check mark in that box and here's what i'd like to ask you to do with that card in just a few moments and we're dismissed i'd love for you to take that card out to what we call our next steps banner and we'd love to put into your hand a little booklet called rethinking life every day and if you don't have a bible we'd love to give you a complimentary bible And those tools will be, I promise you, an incredible resource for you to begin building your life on the right foundation. It just kind of outlines some next steps in your spiritual journey. So we'd love to put one of those in your hands and stop by the Next Steps booth on your way out. And then also, if you're a guest with us, as we uh, mentioned earlier, we call you a VIP. And we'd love just to let you know how honored that... We are that you've chosen to be with us today. and So on your way out, please stop by the info bar. Pick up one of our gift bags. It's just a way, once again, to say thanks for coming. And then another thing, as soon as we're dismissed here in a few moments, uh, today's Baptism uh, Sunday. And so we're baptizing to, not only here in Conway, but also over at Lake Nona. And uh, if you've never been baptized by immersion and you would like to get baptized, we had the opportunity to baptize three people a few moments, moments ago before our service. It's such a wonderful and encouraging testimony of just seeing what God is doing, what God has done in the hearts of, of people who are taking their next steps. And maybe that's what you need to do today. You need to take that next step. So it's not too late. You say, I didn't bring anything. We got stuff here we got t-shirts we got we got shorts we have everything all the things that you could possibly need we have it for you and so you can simply change clothes and you can put your dry clothes back on but what an incredible day that would be so i'd love to see some of you maybe as couples some of you need to take that next step and so when we're dismissed if that's a need that you have a desire you have go to what we call our next steps Uh, booth as well and we'll be there to receive you and would love to celebrate with you in that also next weekend is a growth track and we do it the first sunday of every month and i really want to encourage you to come and discover your why we're going to walk you through what it is that god has uniquely created you to do so not only do you discover your why but ultimately with that why becomes that purpose that you begin to fulfill so that you can live a fulfilled life knowing that you're making a difference, an eternal difference in the lives of people. And I just want to encourage you, if you haven't been to Growth Track, or maybe you haven't been in a long time, take that next step. Join us next Sunday. Now, one last thing before we receive our offering today. A dear friend of mine is coming next Sunday. I can't wait for him to come. His name is Mike Johnson. Now, here's what's unique about Mike. I've known Mike for goodness almost 28 years when I first met Mike he was fresh out of seminary he had never ever served on church staff before he took a small church it was a church plant he had on his very first Sunday I think he said he had like 16 kids total I mean like birth through fifth grade 16 kids 27 years later on average, they have over 6,000 children on any given Sunday in the children's ministry that God used him to start. Incredible what God has done. He's considered to be the godfather or the guru of children's ministry. I heard him share a message a number of years ago called, They're Not Just Kids. I've never forgotten it. It was a message that God used that literally opened my mind and opened my heart towards the importance of raising and impacting the next generation. And I want encourage you to be here next week. Gather some people you know that need to hear it. And then I want to encourage you to join us right here at our Conway loco- location next Sunday evening at 4 p.m. We're going to get to spend an evening with Mike Johnson as he unpacks some things that we can do as a church to go to a whole nother level in reaching the next generation. And so I encourage you, it's going to be a great and a very unique and rare opportunity for us as a church. So we're honored to have him. Well, let's prepare our hearts for today's offering. And uh, let me just challenge you today. Let's be faithful. Let's be consistent. You know, I shared in the first service, the whole that we give through is the whole that we receive through. In essence, what that means is, is we can't out give God. So let's give faithfully, let's give generously, let's give sacrificially. Most importantly, I think let's give expectantly, knowing that what we give, God's going to take it and use it, multiply it to make an eternal difference in the lives of people, okay? So let's bow our heads, pray over.